Okay, last week, um, or two weeks ago, Lori did a great job, a great recap. I put down buffet line, but was it the buffet line or eight-course meal? Eight-course meal that I listened on the, the, the on my computer since I didn't get to be here to hear it, but um, it was a great message. I love that, that analogy, eating, buffet or seven, eight-course, whatever. Um, it, was, it was a great way to pr do the recap. Thank you. And then her message on being a peacemaker. And what's interesting, excuse me, because I am going to keep a cough drop in my mouth. I hope that doesn't bother you. This is driving me nuts. <sighs> okay, maybe that'll work. Um, one aspect of being a peacemaker, as Lurie brought out, is working to bring unsaved men to God, to reconcile sinners to God. Well, when you do that, when you live out your life as a peacemaker, you're going to encounter persecution. So the next beatitude, our final attitude, is on being persecuted from Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This, mess, this lesson and this message this week is just part one of our last beatitude that actually goes from verse 10 to verse 12. Most of the beatitudes were in one verse. This one's in three. But we're just doing a kind of verse 10 today, and then next week we will finish up with verses 11 and 12. And because it's another uh, lesson and message on persecution, because it's our last one, don't stay home because, oh, I don't want to hear about persecution. That's no fun. Come because there's a great reward for those that are persecuted and it'll be a nice day of fellowship. But anyway, the message outline the Lord gave me for this morning is the basics. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. So who? Who is going to be persecuted? Well, as 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, yes, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you are living godly in Christ Jesus, you will experience persecution. You can count on it. You can rely on it. You can depend on it. This is one of those verses that is kind of like a promise that we don't like to add to our list of comforting promises because it is saying you will suffer persecution if you're going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean, to be living godly? Well, it's a manner of life. It's a way of life. It's a path of life that you walk with Jesus, not just when you come to church, not just when you're with your believing friends, but it's what your whole life is about. Jesus is your whole life, knowing him, growing in your knowledge of him, growing in your relationship with him, um, and then wanting to make him known to others. That's what it is to, to be living godly in Christ Jesus. It's being a peacemaker between unsaved man and God, um, attempting to bring that reconciliation um, again, only the Lord saves, but we plant, we water. And the Amplified 2 Timothy 3.12 reads, Indeed, all who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution. That is, will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. Now, Matthew 5.10 in the Amplified 
blessed and happy and enviable, fortunate and spiritually prosperous. That is in the state in which one enjoys and finds satisfaction regardless of his outward conditions are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for being and doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if Jesus is your life and you're living out your faith, uh, and that's what your life is all about, Jesus and your relationship with him, then you are the who. So what? What is the what? Well, it's being persecuted, and you were defined persecuted in your lesson. In Greek, it basically just means to be pursued, to put to flight, to drive away. In Webster's, to be afflicted or harassed constantly as to injure or distress, oppressed cruelly, especially for reasons of religion or politics or race, to trouble or annoy constantly. Well, Jesus made it very clear what the persecution was all about. It was because of righteousness. When you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, it was for living godly in Christ Jesus. It was because others didn't want to hear about Jesus or how they needed to change their ways or how much the Lord loved them. Being driven away, in essence, being rejected, being turned against, not because you're obnoxious or rude or pointing your finger in their face, not having a turn or burn attitude or witnessing style, <laughs> but because of your lifestyle, your choices of abstaining even from the appearance of evil, maybe not drinking and partying anymore, maybe not going to the same movies that you used to have freedom to go to, and they're not wanting to hear you tell them about the way of salvation, telling them how much Jesus loves them and how much they need Jesus. Again, there'll be more in next week's uh, lesson on uh, being persecuted, and we go into more detail. Uh, Jesus went into more detail then. So that's the uh, what? So where? Well, where does this persecution happen? It happens anywhere you are, in your own home, when you're living for Jesus, and those that you live with aren't living for Jesus. It can happen at work, when you won't lie for your boss, when you won't steal pencils and staplers and things, and you suggest to others that they shouldn't either, when you won't take longer for your 10 or 15 minute break, you don't take 20, 30 minutes, you don't take longer on your lunch hour. It can happen at school, when you won't cheat and you won't help others cheat. Um, it can happen in stores and restaurants, when you know they haven't charged you enough and you bring it to their attention, or maybe they've um, given you too much change back and you take it back in. It can happen anywhere if you are living godly in Christ Jesus. So when does it happen? Well, it's the same as where does it happen. It can happen anytime, anytime you're living out your faith, anytime you choose the right way, um, when those around you are wanting the wrong way, when they're wanting the worldly way, when they're wanting the way of the flesh or the enemy. It can happen when you're driving. I tend to share frustration with you about being out on the road. <laughs> um, maybe you're obeying traffic laws and others aren't, and they get upset with you. You let someone in front of you and those behind you aren't happy about it. Um, Maybe you weren't going fast enough, so they cut around you and kind of give you a dirty look or worse. 
when they're going around you and, and cutting you off. My husband, who is a believer, gets upset with me when I don't use my horn when he's annoyed or I'm annoyed. Um, to me, a horn is to you know, warn of an, what looks like might be an accident. Well, if somebody cuts us off, he wants me to blow the horn. When um, you know, someone has started in our lane but realizes and they go back, he still wants me to honk even though they've already corrected. So I don't know if that's being persecuted for righteousness sake. I'm trying to do the right thing and he's wanting me to honk. But anyway, it can happen when you're planting or watering a seed for Jesus with a cashier or a waitress or someone else you're in line with, right? You're having this nice conversation, right? And then all of a sudden you bring up Jesus. What happens? They immediately, their countenance changes. They almost can rudely change the subject or just all of a sudden start ignoring you. They don't want to hear about it. They are no longer giving you their full attention. When you want your husband or kids to get up and go to church, and their reaction isn't what you would hope for. And they say, you know what? You need it. You go. So anywhere and anytime, those who are living godly in Christ Jesus can and will suffer persecution. So that's the who, what, where, and when. So now why? Well, Jesus made it clear. Again, it's because we're living godly in Christ Jesus. It's living in a way that pleases the Lord not necessarily pleasing man or others. It's because of obeying God rather than obeying man. And it's because of righteousness. But it's also because we are followers of Jesus Christ and we're not greater than our master. You had it in the lesson, John 15, 18 through 20. Jesus declared, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Others, ladies, are convicted by our lifestyle when we're living for Jesus Christ. When we're walking in the light, those that are still in darkness don't want to come to the light. They don't want their sins exposed. Jesus said in John 3, 19 through 20, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. When we make choices that line up with God's word, it's gonna convict others. It may even, they, they may fall under condemnation and they don't like the feeling of either and they're going to take it out on you with their reaction. Um, when those that are living in the world, they don't want Jesus. They rejected Jesus, and they're going to reject you because you have Jesus. The enemy is opposed to everything Jesus stands for. Those living in their flesh don't want to hear about it because we have Jesus. So they're really rejecting Jesus in you and what you stand for, what you or who you are representing. Jesus was received by some, will be received by some. The Lord will use us to plant seeds and to water seeds, and then he'll give the increase. And sometimes uh, others will listen 
and be led to the Lord. You'll get to lead them in the sinner's prayer. Sometimes they're like fruit falling off the tree. You haven't done anything, and you just mentioned Jesus, and they're hungry. I don't encounter very many people like that, but they are out there, and I hear testimonies of that. I know our evangelistic group go out, and they're constantly planting and watering seeds and having opportunity to lead others to the Lord. But along the way, even though you do have success in some of those areas, you will suffer persecution. So how? How then do we experience that persecution? Well, we've already mentioned the rejection often that we're going to experience with friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, when they know that you're one of those kinds of religious people or one of those born-again Christians, they're, they're maybe don't want to hear about relationship versus religion, right? We talk about a relationship. They just think it's being religious. So they might avoid, avoid you, ignore you, leave you off their guest list. They might unfriend you or block you from all those things that some of you tech people do. You might experience mocking or ridicule, maybe to your face, maybe behind your back. A spouse might leave you or get upset when you no longer want to go to his work party because it's just a drunken brawl, right? Um, coarse jokes and whatever. Maybe because you want to go to church and he doesn't. He gets jealous of your relationship with Jesus. I've heard of that happening in marriages or because maybe you'd rather read your Bible than sit and watch something on TV that has cussing and sex and all kinds of uh, stuff that you don't like and want to watch. Some might react to your Christianity in anger. They're angry with God because maybe something's happened to them in the past and they blame God, they don't understand. And so when you mention God, they just get furious. They just don't want to hear anything about it. Um, when I was a young believer, not young, I didn't know, hadn't known the Lord for very long, and I was in South Coast Plaza, and it, there was this guy, and I forget who he was with, but there were two of them. And he was one of those goth-looking guys, you know, dark, and he was wearing this T-shirt that said, Death to all born-again Christians. And I just thought, how interesting. The only one he's taking a stand against are born-again Christians. What does that tell you? That even the enemy knows the born-again Christians are the only ones that are a threat, right? Well, a few years ago, and one of, I'm sure some of you would remember when there was a proposition that was for gay marriage. It was, the prop was either to stand against gay marriage or it was for gay marriage. I don't remember which it was, but we were certainly against gay marriage, and we had a sign out in front of our front yard. Well, we had a couple of brick pillars on our walkway up to the front door with lights on them. Well, about three different times, the sign would be down and the lights would be knocked over, broken. I mean, hanging by the electrical cords. And I know it had to do with the, the sign that we had out. But ladies, our suffering in America is nothing compared to other countries, to what believers are going through, where they experience daily threats, capture, imprisonment, uh, torture, maybe even death. This just came, it's the Voice of Martyrs, and it was a magazine. Anyway, there's this one, um, Just I just thought reading it, it it's about um, a gift pack that they have. 
but it says, imagine waking up one morning to find a red spray-painted symbol on the front of your house identifying you as a Christian. The Arabic letter N for Nazara, meaning Nazarene to indicate Christians, was painted on the homes of Christians in Iraq by ISIS fighters. ISIS gave the Christians an ultimatum, convert to Islam, pay a tax, leave, or be killed. We're not facing that in America, ladies. So when you're mocked, when you're rejected, when they don't want to hear about Jesus, don't, don't take it so personally and don't get so down in the dumps over it because we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. We need to pray for the evangelists among us. We need to pray for ourselves, that we would be more bold, that we would have more compassion for those that are lost and dying and going to spend eternity in hell apart from Jesus Christ, never to, to, to know the Lord. Um, Jesus experienced it all. He knows what we experience, what we go through. He gives us the strength to persevere, the strength to endure, the strength to keep our lights shining so others in the darkness can be drawn to him. And I thought of this, that we're like lighthouses, and I think of lighthouses kind of being there, standing all alone, right, but shining the light out into the darkness so that others that pass by can, can be safe, so they don't crash. <laughs> and, and it's like sometimes we feel all alone, but we need to keep letting our light shine because someone passing by in the darkness is going to see the light and be drawn to Jesus. So regardless of how you're treated, when you're living godly in Christ Jesus, the glory, ladies, that await you far outweigh any persecution, any suffering that you might experience here and now. And again, we'll, we'll have a little bit more on this next week. So, Lord, we thank you so much for your encouragement, for your word, for your strength, for your peace, Lord, for your guidance. Lord, and empower us that we can continue to let our light shine. May it shine even more brightly than ever, Lord, knowing the darkness is just closing in and time is short. So, Lord, help us to buy up every opportunity you set before us, regardless of the consequences, as long as we know we're being pleasing to you and obeying you. May you be glorified in and through our lives, Lord, as we await your return. I pray you bless the discussion groups, Lord. Just Bind the women together closer and closer and just continue to help us understand uh, more effectively and clearly, Lord, what these beatitudes mean to us. And we thank you for your word and your spirit and the freedom we have. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, ladies.